welcome everybody to the Jacobson Market Intelligence Report. Um, just a quick reminder that our weekly webinar here is um, to showcase the Market Intelligence Report, with it, which is a, a new forecasting tool uh, and subscription within the Jacobson that's focusing on forward markets and obviously forecasting from the traditional price reporting that we've historically done. Um, in relation to that forecasting that's now being done within the market intelligence reports, um, we've also launched uh, a forecasting accuracy initiative so that we have begun to monitor our forecasting even when the market intelligence was in its very initial beta stage over a year ago. Um, and we have been forecasting our performance, or excuse me, um, following uh, our performance in the forecasting since the origin. Uh, and it was our decision to obviously make that information available to our subscribers and, and to, to track that very closely. Um, so initially uh, for, for this week and as an initial segment of spotlighting this accuracy, um, we're gonna use Ryan who's covering Choice White Grease this week um, to highlight the Choice White Grease forecasting accuracy. Now, uh, in general, this forecasting accuracy I'm speaking of will be available on uh, the Jacobson website to subscribers and you can look in at the different products we've begun to track and you'll see new things added along the way. Um, but obviously we've got uh, the Choice White Grease right here um, and some very compelling numbers initially out of the gates for how the Jacobson and, and the methodologies we're using um, applies to this market. In addition to the forecasting um, that we're doing already, we're continuing to build out the team here. We've just hired in a specialist within AI from the Carlson School of Business, um, and he'll be joining the Jacobson team to further the development of this. Um, I think from there, we'll jump right into that choice weight grease then market. As with the COVID scenario, we've got unprecedented reactions to our agricultural markets, and Ryan's going to take you through that. Thanks, John. So here we have a look at the Choice White Grease uh, Chicago price forecast. And if you could highlight the uh, Missouri River one, George, uh, we'll zoom in on that one. Um, you can see prices are forecast to decrease. We'll have a little bit of a seasonal bump uh, in September as we anticipate an increase in demand there. But yeah, we're starting to see production um, increase. Last week saw higher hog slaughter for the first time since um, I believe late March. We have really high prices relative to corn. They're very high relative to soybean oil. So it just does not make a lot of sense at current prices for feed buyers and for biodiesel users, users excuse me, to use uh, choice white grease. And with the production increasing, sellers are going to have a little bit more confidence in supply and they're gonna have to lower that price in an effort to find that equilibrium to keep supply moving. Um, Longer term, I think prices are gonna fall more in line with that relative price to soybean oil and, and corn, and that's why we predict uh, a market decrease or lower prices over the next few months. And with that, I'll kick it back to you, John. Thanks, that's fantastic, Ryan. Um, next up, we're gonna dive into the, the virgin veg oil space, and, and Tori Alden's gonna tackle canola oil there. Thanks, John. So this week we've got a bit of data to go through. We got uh, Canadian crushing data from COPA and we also got uh, Canadian trade data and US trade data. So 
Copa reported crushing volumes for um, for April at 881,000 tons. That was the second straight month that the total was 20% above last year. Um, and as a result of that recent strength, we, we raised our canola crush for 2019-20 uh, up to 9.75 million tons. We've kind of gone back and forth on this. We started it at 10, we went down to 9.25 and then up to 9.75. Uh, or 9.5 and then 9.75. At some point in here, the uh, crushers are gonna run into, uh, I think a little bit of capacity constraint. So I don't know that we'll be able to go a, a whole lot higher than here, um, but certainly this year looks like it's gonna set a record. Despite that, we think that crush probably slows over the next two reporting months. So May, which we're in right now, and, and then June. Um, but then bounces back for the last two months of, of the calendar year. Canola oil production was estimated at 386, 387,000 tons. That was an increase of 24% from last year and was 23,000 tons above the Jacobson's uh, forecast. Uh, again, based on uh, the the movement in crush, we expect uh, canola oil supplies to be a little bit tighter over the next couple of months um, before uh, a rebound in crush in the last two months of the marketing year um, frees up supplies once again. Turning to Canadian trade data, uh, Canadian canola seed exports were 1.26 million tons. That was the largest monthly volume since uh, October 2018 and was driven in part by a rebound in the volume of shipments to China that rose to just over 387,000 tons um, from the marketing year average so far of, of just 111,000 tons. Um, so based on that growth and in the assumption that uh, China will probably continue to import a little bit more canola than they have at least so far through the marketing year, we raised our forecast for Canadian canola seed exports 500,000 tons to 9.6 million. Uh, canola oil exports during March totaled 340,000 tons. That was a record monthly volume. Uh, the bulk of that went to the United States, which was 177,000 tons or about 48% of the total. Um, but China was the second most common destination uh, with crushers exporting just over 109,000 tons to, uh, to China. Based again on the, on the strength of uh, the export data, we, wrote, we raised our forecast for canola oil exports, 225,000 tons to 3.5 million. Um, that's a 10% increase from 3.16 million last year. The last thing I'll cover is, is U.S. trade flow data. So last week, we've got the data from the Census Bureau. Um, U.S. imports of canola oil were 393 million uh, pounds, which was marketing year surprise uh, or marketing year high and 75 million pounds above our expectation. It was also the largest monthly volume since October 2017. And based on, again, the strength of imports, we raised our forecast for U.S. canola oil imports, 200 million pounds to 4.2 billion. Um, the, the big increase in imports uh, contributed to a big 
domestic usage number for March, which was 548 million pounds, a marketing year high and up 27% from last year. The growth was driven largely by non-biofuel use, which rose more than 25% um, year over year to, four, uh, to 438 million pounds. And based on that strength, we raised our non-biofuel usage projection 75 million pounds to 4.33 billion. And after all of that, I'll send it back to you, John. Thanks a lot, Tori. Yeah, and I'll continue to, to mention this just because Tori's focusing on what's happening today and, and what is in place. But um, from the fuel demand side, obviously there continues to be the potential for um, canola oil to get its pathway into renewable diesel down into the United States. Um, and we're being told that that's still tracking at the EPA, but seems like a lot of those things may be moving a bit slower at the moment. Um, so that's still in the pipeline at the EPA seeking approval, but in theory that could be uh, a real game changer for that product into those imports in the U.S. Um, from there, we're going to jump into the biomass-based diesel world, take a look at that market structure. Let's start with um, yeah, we'll jump into the D4 RINs here first. Um, the D4 RINs have been sort of tentative. Uh, you know, we've had the, the, the soybean oil, the heating oil spread come down again this past week, thus in theory taking a bit of pressure off the RINs. Um, near term, we've been on the bearish side to sort of neutral on the D4 RINs. We continue to see um, a couple of main factors as the challenge is nearby. We think that um, RVOs are being reworked as new estimates on overall gasoline utilization for the year are being worked through um, at the obligated parties. And so the potential for lower buying appetite of RINs um, and backing off, especially across the coming summer months, which can be historically a little bit quieter, um, a threat for them in the coming sort of 30 days. Um, longer term, obviously, we see uh, a different scenario towards the end of the year. Um, and then the hobo spread is the other key piece. George, if we could pop over there. Again, the spread came off a little bit with energy rebounding uh, at a greater pace than ag. And of course, when that spread comes down, it's still hovering just over um, a dollar um, per gallon. When it does come down, that up takes pressure off of the RINs and pressure off of biomass-based diesel production. Um, I'd like to go over to the gross processing monitor, check in on those production margins and how both renewable diesel and biodiesel are looking into the California market. In our gross processing monitor, we've chosen um, the California end market showing both a typical renewable diesel gallon that makes its way into that market and what we call a typical biodiesel gallon and breaking down the economics of that. Even with the boho spread coming off, you can see that the biodiesel economics are still challenged to get a profitable return into even that California market with LCFS while the renewable diesel remains strong. Um, and from there, I think we started to see some action in California a little bit this week. So I think I'll push over to you, Bob, for some comments as well. Thanks, John. Sorry, I had myself muted there. Um, well, we, we had heard uh, a little earlier that uh, a renewable diesel producer out of uh, Europe had uh, 
had released their earnings. Uh, their plant in Singapore showed uh, strong growth uh, quarter over quarter from 2020 to 2019, an 8% gain. Um, their sales were up 6% quarter over quarter to uh, 731,000 metric tons. Uh, they had record setting production for those sales of 795,000 tons. So the, the renewable diesel sector has been uh, performing quite well, um, as we've seen with uh, credits that have passed through the California system at that time. There, uh, in the previous week was 977,000 uh, transactions that were processed. Of those 977,000, 176,000 were uh, type one transactions, which are cleared within uh, a 10 day period. So that leaves uh, 800,000 that were uh, greater than 10 days. LCFS has been uh, quite strong. Uh, they're not the only news out there this week. Uh, Oregon had announced uh, previous through executive order that they were gonna make their, their low carbon fuel program a bit more stringent. Uh, the goal there is to reduce the average amount of greenhouse gas emissions by 20% uh, from below 2015 levels by 2030, and then 25% by 2035. Uh, that was kind of open-ended. We didn't have a time frame for when that was going to take place. They now say that uh, executive order, they're going to work on the rules and develop them during 2020, and they are going to... Um, they're expected to take effect in 2022. Um, Oregon is, uh, they weren't able to pass their cap and trade program, which was the impetus behind Governor Brown uh, pushing forward the, uh, the uh, renewed uh, standards for, sorry, <laughs> for, the, for the LCFS program there. Uh, we did have uh, first quarter information that came out for other programs in case you're interested in what's going on besides uh, California. Uh, and during the first quarter, credits processed by British Columbia totaled 30,233 credits, uh, Oregon 316,000, and uh, California had processed uh, over 4 million credits. Uh, credit prices vary in, in uh, British Columbia. The, the, they traded during the quarter at a low of 32, a high of $345. Um, in Oregon, it had a low of 110 and a high of 155, and uh, California, a low of 141 and a high of 219. Um, so that's that's kind of what we're seeing in the LCFS market right now. I'll, I'll kick it back to you, John. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, and we definitely caught that that end of the week surge there with, with all the credits seeming to kind of come back up there to the 200 levels again. So we'll see how long they remain. George, let's jump in the Q&A. Um, and go from there. Sure thing. So the first question is really for Tori. Uh, did the MPOB report change your outlook for veg oil prices? Um, so the the real highlight, I think, of the MPOB report was uh, 
strong production. People had expected production to be strong, but not quite as strong as um, as the MPOB reported. Uh, it was up 18% month over month, and um, expectations were a little bit below that. Palm oil prices dropped back down below 2,000 ringgit uh, overnight in reaction to the report. And I think that it sets it up so that uh, it looks like, because we're in the seasonal upswing in, in production, this report was going to give some indication of um, how big stocks were going to grow over the balance of the year. And so bigger production is, is certainly bearish. Um, so it's, uh, it, maybe it makes me a, a little bit more bearish in, in part because the production went up a bunch while the main producing region was shut down for, for half the month. Um, so, but not, not dramatically so because the number was, was really in more in line with what we were thinking going into the report than, than what most of the other analysts were thinking. Thank you, Tori. Uh, Ryan, going over to you. Uh, what are you seeing in the other feed fat markets like tallow, yellow grease, D, uh, DCO? I think all of them are seeing pressure from that relative price to corn. They're at multi-year highs, if not close to record highs for, uh, for May right now. So there is pressure across the whole complex to move lower. With that said, tallow seems to be in a league of its own right now because of the strong oleochemical demand. And so we see price support there a little bit further you know, down the curve, but the other ones we expect to see some softening. Um, yellow grease supplies, I think, are going to increase here in the near term as well. That last week we talked about the the whole hog rendering happening, and that's going to contribute to a higher animal fat blend that's uh, available in the market and is expected to kind of pressure everything uh, on a whole. All right, thank you, Ryan. Um, Tori, what do you think about the USDA's initial 2021 U.S. soybean oil balance sheet? So I've, I've only had a, a couple of seconds to look at it. In, in general, um, we kind of agree on some stuff, but we, we sort of get there in, in a little bit different ways. So it starts with USDA is forecasting crush that's 15 million bushels above where we are. So their production is a little bit bigger. Um, and, uh, and so that smaller production ultimately translates into uh, smaller ending stocks that we're forecasting. Um, but on the demand side, we are a little bit different too. They keep exports relatively strong next year, whereas we think uh, a rebound in demand and growth in demand from uh not traditional, I guess, renewable diesel and, or, or co-processing demand um, will keep basis levels relatively high. And, and so that'll probably limit the U.S. soybean oil exports. Um, our price forecast is also pretty significantly different, actually. So we're forecasting an, uh, an average indicator of 32 and three quarter cents and in, in there at 29 cents. Um, part of that is just due to the fact that, that we've got tighter uh, ending stocks, but also I think the fact that we think, um, while overall demand isn't necessarily stronger, that domestic demand is a little bit stronger. That's also giving a boost to, um, to, the, to the Decatur oil price uh, on our side. Um, so nothing I would really look at 
in, at least initially and say, wow, I, I really hugely disagree with those guys. Um, but we'll see. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it probably next week. All right. Thanks, Tori. And the last question is really for Cusick or Bob. Uh, the Bakersfield California Renewable Diesel announcements this week suggest renewable fuels are strong on the West Coast. Do you expect any other upcoming announcements? Uh, Cusick, you're on mute. Yeah, I'll chime in first. Um, yep, exciting uh, news um, with that project. I think we uh, we will see more. It's a, it's, it's a question we're getting a, a lot right now. Are these projects still coming? Are they being sideburnered? Are they being backburnered? I think this is proof in the pudding that these projects are coming. Um, this is a large project. Some, some veterans of the industry, um, some seasoned sort of people on the debt and equity side in the renewable space from what I understand. But I think also the, the interesting thing of this announcement was also the mention of the, uh, the feedstocks and really what is uh, sort of next generation feedstock leanings with uh, Camelina being a big component of this project. So I think we are gonna see more of these projects coming. Um, obviously we see LCFS prices soaring back up over 200. So I would expect more to come. Uh, i jump in real quick and say that uh, I I expect more announcements as well. We've got a number of expansions that are out there that are, are looking to come into fruition, maybe not uh, this year, but next year. Uh, mm -hmm. We also have uh, a Singapore plant is going through a proposed uh, catalyst change. However, COVID-19 mm -hmm. is putting a little bit of a monkey wrench into the works there. Uh, they'll have to work around that depending on uh, lockout schedules, uh, according to sources there. But uh, once, once they do begin that catalyst change, we will probably see a significant drop of imported renewable diesel. Yeah, and so those type of things, when you just have a couple of large facilities globally, that will all diminish as more of these plants come, but agreed there'll be a, a short-term outage due to that kind of turnaround activity. All right, that's all that we have for questions. Cusick, back to you. I think that's it for the week. Um, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, please take a look at our forecasting accuracy on the Jacobson website. We're very proud of uh, the data that's coming back from our market intelligence efforts here. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.